Ephesians chapter 2 verses 1 through 10 is one of the great passages on the subject of salvation. In verses 1 through 3 of chapter 2, Paul talks about the fact that everyone who comes into this world is spiritually dead, spiritually without the life of God. But God, according to verse 4, intervened and saved us. Paul says that God made us alive and raised us up with Christ Jesus and seated us in the heavenly places. So just think about that. Not only did God save us, but he raised us. And from his point of view, we are already in heaven, seated at the right hand of God. And God did all of that so that in the ages to come, when we finally do get to heaven, that we might be trophies of his grace, of his marvelous grace. When you come to Ephesians 2, verses 8 and 9, Paul tells us how all of this was done. He says, by grace you have been saved through faith. And that not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. No one will be able to stand before God as a child of God and be able to say, I did it on my own. I pulled myself up by my own bootstraps. No, it's all due to God's grace. And many times when we think about salvation, that's where we stop. We stop with Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, and we forget the capstone of that passage, which is verse 10, where Paul writes these words, For we, that is Christians, are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus. For what purpose? For good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. God saved us to do good works. God has a plan, an intention for each and every life of the child of God. And not just to be forgiven their sins, but to actually do good works are to do good works deeds. Paul says that we are God's masterpiece. We are God's centerpiece. And ladies, a lot of times you know what that means. Uh, That table is there, but at the center is that beautiful centerpiece. And and, and God is saying that you and, and that I am a centerpiece of his grace. He has designed me He has designed you as the child of God to do good deeds and good works. So this morning we come to the book of Titus. And Titus is a book that is peppered with the language of good deeds and deeds. You you read this small book of three chapters and, and you read about deeds and good deeds. It basically expands 
upon Ephesians 2.10, that we have been created in Christ Jesus for good works. And so as we look at selected verses from the book of Titus, verses that use either the word deed or deeds, I want us to look at those verses from the subject, the good deeds Christian. The good deeds Christian. That's what Titus says we are to be. And in particular, I want to challenge our educators and those who work in association with education. I want to challenge you in your school year to be a good deeds Christian. And when I say that, I'm not talking about wearing a cross around your neck. I'm not talking about you walking into the classroom or into the job with a Bible. I'm not even talking about the fact that you are opening up your mouth and proclaiming the gospel. I'm talking about it the way that Titus is. And that is that we are to be involved in good deeds. That we are to be involved in good works. And that's not just true of educators. That is true of every Christian. No matter what your job might be. And even for those who are retired. And even for those who are in ministry. We are to be involved in good deeds. So I trust that once we go through these verses that you will have some kind of an idea of what it means to be a good deeds Christian. Please note that deeds document one's relationship with God. Deeds document one's relationship with God. Turn with me to chapter 1, verse 16. That's where we learn uh, this idea, this principle. As you look at that verse, Paul writes, They profess to know God. And when he says that, he's talking about individuals who are not Christians, individuals who are on this island of Crete, and they are upsetting whole families by teaching things that they shouldn't teach. And not only that, uh, Paul recognizes that these individuals' mouths must be shut. These individuals need to be severely reproved. And when he comes to verse 16, he said, these individuals profess, they confess to know God. They will tell you with their own words that come out of their own mouth that they know God, that they have an intimate, personal relationship with God. But despite the words that come out of their mouth, their deeds say otherwise. And if you look at the verse, Paul said they profess to know God, but by their deeds... By their works, they deny him. Yes, they make the declaration. I know God. But when you look at their deeds, their deeds deny that declaration. And that's why it's important to realize that deeds, 
not declarations. Works, not words, document our relationship with God. It's easy to say it. It's easy to talk it. But you need to understand, you got to walk it. And so when you look at a person's deed, that's the documentation. Don't listen to the words that come out of their mouth. Observe their deeds. It's their deeds that document and prove that they have a relationship with God. And as Paul goes on in that verse, he points out that these individuals, not only do they deny God, but they are detestable and disobedient and worthless for any good deed. Those are strong words. As Paul looks at this group who says that they know God, but they deny God by their deeds, he says they are detestable. They are an abomination. The idea that a person says, I'm a Christian, and there's no fruit, no evidence in their life, Paul says that's abominable. That's detestable. And not only that, they are disobedient. And then he says they're worthless. Worthless for what? They're worthless for any good deed. And so what that lets us know that in order to do good deeds, educators, those associated with education, Christians that you work for, the order to do good deeds, you got to be saved. And the evidence that you're saved is not what you say, but it's what you do. The person whose deeds deny that they know God, that person is worthless when it comes to doing the good deeds that God would want done. And may I hasten to add, deeds... Don't save anyone. Deeds don't save anyone. And I'll go a step further. Good deeds don't save anyone. Titus 3.5 says that. God saved us not on the basis of deeds which we have done in righteousness. Did you hear, did you hear that? Paul says... To these Christians on the island of Crete, God saved you, but he didn't save you on the basis of deeds that you have done in righteousness. And, And I think what he's saying there, he's not just simply looking at the unworthy deeds that we did before salvation, the worthless deeds before salvation. He's saying even the deeds you do as a Christian, the good deeds you do as a Christian, That's not the basis of your salvation. You're not saved on the basis of deeds, even if the deed is done in righteousness. Turn with me to Titus chapter 2, verse 7. Some of you are already a little bit concerned. You see six points in the outline. Uh, Don't worry. It's not going to be long. Only thing that's going to make this long is the fact that the air. And I think I'm going to do like the deacon over there. He's got his jacket off. 
so it must be acceptable. If anybody's going to be warm, it's going to be me out of everybody. So Titus chapter 2, verse 7. And Titus 2, 7 points out that good deeds are to be shown. Good deeds are to be shown. They're to be displayed. And you might say, well, that's obvious. Yeah, it is obvious. But why does the Lord Jesus Christ come along and say to his disciple, let your light shine? No, you're the light of the world. Why do you have to tell them to let your light shine? Why does he have to tell people not to put their light under a bushel? It's because sometimes our lights don't shine. And here Paul is saying to Titus, Titus, make sure that Christians understand that their deeds are to be displayed. Their good deeds are to be shown. Paul says to his spiritual son in verse 7 of chapter 2 of Titus, in all things, Titus, Show yourself to be an example of good deeds. In this chapter, Titus is to speak those things that are fitting for sound doctrine. That is, there's a lifestyle that goes with sound doctrine. And one of the beasts that people have with Christians who are part of a Bible preaching and teaching church is that they got the head knowledge But they don't seem to live out that truth. And so Paul is saying, Titus, as you minister on the island of Crete, make sure that you teach the things which fit sound doctrine. That is, make sure that you tell people how to live in harmony with what they believe. And so Titus, in verse 2, is to address the older men. And in verse 3, the older women. And in verse uh, 3 and Four, well, verses four and five, the younger women. And verse six, the younger men. And he's told when it comes to the younger men, urge the young men to be sensible. That is self-control. Instead of letting their flesh run wild, instead of letting their desires be out of control, Paul says, Titus, teach the young men. Particularly, not 10 things, not 20 things, but teach them to be self-controlled. Teach them to be individuals where their desires are under their control. But as Titus teaches, that's what he's doing. He's teaching. Paul says in verse 7, in all things show yourself to be an example of good deeds. Titus, the words that come out of your mouth are to be accompanied by works that you are doing. That's a big problem in the Christian community where individuals are waxing eloquent and proclaiming one thing and practicing another thing that does not harmonize with what they proclaim. And that's why unbelievers sometimes are turned off by the church because the person in the pulpit is proclaiming truth but not practicing it. 
Titus, as you're exhorting and urging the young men to be self-controlled, make sure that you yourself are an example of good deeds so that these young men can look at your life and see documentation and prove that you are involved in good deeds. And educators, I would say the same thing to you. As you teach your math or your science or your history, or you teach the ABCs, the one, two, threes, make sure that you are involved in good deeds. I'm not saying proclaiming the gospel. I'm just saying living your life the way that God would want you to live it. For Titus to show his good deeds means that he would be living a life of integrity, purity, and sound doctrine. The third thing that I want you to see comes from chapter 2, verse 14. So turn with me to that verse. I want you to see that good deeds are the purpose of Christ giving his life. And if you're using your outline, I know there's a grammatical error there. So uh, you don't have to come. Show me how smart you are, English teachers. Uh, Christ, the purpose of Christ giving his life. It's good deeds. And we see that in chapter 2, verse 14. And when you come to this verse, it says, who gave himself for us. Who gave himself for us. And that's a sermon in and of itself. That's a sermon where people ought to be saying, hallelujah, praise the Lord. To, to be thinking about the reality that he gave himself for us. If that doesn't move you, if that, that doesn't have any kind of a spiritual impact upon you, I don't know what will. But to, to come across these words, he gave himself for us. That's like eating Deacon Ed's barbecue ribs and brisket, which I did yesterday, which we did. No, that's right. You, you all didn't get any. You all had teriyaki chicken and hamburgers, but I had some barbecue ribs and some barbecue beef. And uh, my flesh, my soul, I was happy. And I'm going to go home after church have some more. Uh, I'm sorry you didn't get any. Uh, some of you were too pious. Like my wife, she didn't want to ask Ed to do that. I, I'm, uh, I'm going to ask Ed, if you're cooking, make some barbecue, make some ribs, etc. So uh, you know how it is. You have some good barbecue. You have some good ribs. No, you're feeling good. Uh, when you come across a phrase like this, God saved us, you ought to feel good. You ought to be grateful. You ought to be thankful. You ought to be ready to say, let me have some me cake to go with it or something. But God saved us. And here, Paul says, Christ 
gave himself for us. And he actually just simply says, who gave himself for us? But if you look at the end of verse 13, it's our great God and Savior Christ Jesus who gave himself for us. You know John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one-of-a-kind son. That's what God did. He loved you. He sent his son. But here, Christ gave Not some angel, not someone else. Christ gave himself. God gave his son, but Christ gave himself for who? For us. For us. And really, that little concise shorthand statement. He gave himself for us. He gave just simply goes back to Christ leaving heaven. The incarnation. The life of Christ, the death of Christ, the uh, burial of Christ, the resurrection of Christ, the ascension of Christ. All of that falls under the umbrella. He gave himself for us. For what purpose? For what goal? Paul says in that same verse that he might redeem us from every lawless deed, literally from lawlessness. The word deed is not really there. But he also gave himself to purify for himself a people for his own possession. Christ left heaven's glory and died on the cross and was raised from the dead and ascended back to heaven for you and for me. That that, that he might, as the text says, purify for himself a people. A people. Jesus wants a people that are his. Jesus wants a people that belongs to him. And that's what Christ did. And these people are further defined as zealous for good deeds. The, the, The people that Jesus wants for himself are people who are zealots. You know about zealots. You've read about them throughout history. And even today we see some people who are religious fanatics. They're zealots. They're willing to give their all in all for the cause and their beliefs. And so we read about individuals sometimes in Israel who will strap a bomb around themselves and blow themselves up for what they believe in what they stand for. And Paul is saying, Titus, because Christ gave himself for us, we ought to be fanatics. We ought to be zealots. We ought to strap bombs around ourselves for the purpose of not blowing ourselves up, but doing good deeds. Good deeds. We are to be zealots for good deeds. So the good deed Christian understands that deeds are for the purpose of Christ giving himself. Come with me to the last chapter of the book of Titus. Titus chapter 3 verse 1. And I'll try to cover these points succinctly and quickly. But join me at the very first verse. 
of chapter 3, we learn that good deeds require being ready. Being ready, being prepared. Titus is given a command in verse 1 of chapter 3. Paul says, Titus, remind them. That is, remind the people that you are ministering to. And the reason why Paul wants Titus to do this is because the Christians on the island of Crete were living in a wicked place. It was not some ideal place to live. In fact, earlier in the book, Paul says that Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, gluttons. Paul said, that's what one of your own people say about you. And then he says in verse 12, I agree. I agree. Cretans are always liars, lazy gluttons, evil beasts. And then now in chapter 3, he talks about these same individuals. And he talks about them indirectly. He says in verse 3 that they are foolish. They are disobedient. They are deceived. They're enslaved to various lusts and passions. They are engaged in malice and envy. They're hateful and hating one another. What's a Christian to do when they're living in that kind of environment? Some of you educators are at schools that are pagan to the core. Filthy language abounds out of the mouths of little kids. Wicked ideas and thoughts and deeds abound. What do I do as a Christian? Do I go find me a Christian school? Do I go move to Idaho? What were these Christians to do? Paul says, do good deeds in a wicked environment like that. Remind them, Titus, to be subject to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, and to be ready. Ready for every good deed. So when I'm in that kind of environment, Instead of thinking about how I'm going to pay individuals back or how I'm going to make sure they respect me, how I'm going to be big and bad, Titus says, be ready for every good deed. Use that environment, that occasion to do good deeds. Be ready ones, be prepared ones. And obviously, in this context, it means that you're a godly citizen. You submit to and obey authorities. It means that you're a godly neighbor who maligns no one, who is uncontentious, who's gentle and shown respect for all men. It means you're living a godly life. You're not living like you used to. If Paul says, hey, Don't you guys go around thinking that your life has always been together? He says, for you once also, we once also were foolish. 
I ain't getting no amens. But the Bible says we once were foolish. We were disobedient. We were deceived. And the list goes on. That's the environment. That's the lifestyle that God saved us out of. And now we are to be Christians who are ready, prepared. You can't wait until the circumstance or the situation arises. Then you say, oh, I need to get ready and prepare. No, you need to be living your life so that you're ready and prepared to do any good deed. Further on in chapter 3, verse 8, the next to the last point that I want you to see. Paul abruptly in verse 8 of chapter 3 tells Titus, there that this is a trustworthy statement. Out of the blue, he just kind of said, this is a trustworthy statement. That is, this trustworthy statement was kind of Paul's way of underlining, bolding, putting words in caps, italicizing words. It was his way of saying these words are important. When he says this is a trustworthy statement, all of God's word is trustworthy. But Paul says, I, I want you to see this. I want to make sure that you don't miss this. And when he says this, he's referring to that passage that I read when I began the sermon. In verses 4 through 7, where it says that God has appeared, his love has appeared. And what did he do? He saved us. He saved us. And, and Paul goes into all of the details of what that means. And I won't do that, but you should look at that. The details of what it means that God saved us. And Paul said, this is a trustworthy statement. And, and Titus, I want you to speak about this confidently. I want you to speak about this with boldness. I want you to people to want you to tell people God saved us. And he says, I want you to speak this trustworthy statement for what purpose, for what goal? So that those who have believed God may be careful to engage in good deeds. Did you hear that? Good deeds one more time. And people, God's people, are to engage in good deeds. That is, practice them. But the point that Paul is making here is that good deeds are to be a priority. And we know that when he says that God's people are to be careful, intentional, paying attention, so that they may engage in good deeds. Good deeds don't just happen. They don't just occur. They don't happen haphazardly. You and I, when it comes to engaging in good deeds, you and I must make sure that we are careful to engage in good deeds. That we are strategically thinking and thinking through and pondering how I can do good deeds in the environment that God has placed me.
So good deeds are to be a priority to such an extent that you are to be careful to engage in good deeds. The last thing that I want us to see is the next to the last verse, verse 14. As Paul wraps up this book to Titus, for the last of eight times, he uses the word deed and deeds. Eight times those words are used throughout Titus. For the last time, the last of six times, he uses the phrase good deeds. Our our deeds are to be good and beautiful and noble. And for the last of two times, he talks about being engaged in good deeds. We are to practice good deeds. We are to do good deeds. We are to be engaged in them. And so he says that in verse 14. But the point that he's making is that good deeds must be learned. Educators, I hope your goal when you teach is that your students learn. And sometimes that learning takes place by giving quizzes and exams. And you can say, based upon that, they've learned the material. Well, when it comes to the Christian realm, there are quizzes, exams. And what that looks like is how we live our life. How we live our life. Titus was a teacher. And Paul says, at the end of this book, This is the end of the body of Titus. If you take away the introduction, if you take away the conclusion, this is the last thing that Paul writes. And he says that they are to learn. To learn. Our people are to learn to engage in good deeds. To meet pressing needs. The needs are out there, everywhere, needs, and particularly those of you in the educational field. There are needs. You can talk to Principal Burris, and she can tell you about the needs of her school. Some of you can talk about the needs of your school. But are we going to be involved in good deeds to meet those needs, those needs that are pressing, those needs that are compelling? Are we going to simply meet those needs by saying, I'll share the gospel. I'll open up my mouth and and tell them that Jesus loves them. But that's not what Titus is talking about. That's not what this book is proclaiming. That's not what Paul is saying. Good deeds are to be works. And and it doesn't necessarily mean that I'm teaching a Sunday school lesson. It doesn't mean that I'm teaching child uh, evangelism lessons. It means that I'm meeting needs, pressing needs. And sometimes that just might be talking with a child or or listening to a child or tutoring a child. There are different ways to meet these pressing needs. And so we need to get out of the mindset, Fairview, that the only thing that the Bible means by good deed is sharing the gospel. 
what's involved here in the book of Titus, in the book of good deeds, is learning, acquiring the skill of engaging in good deeds to meet pressing needs so that you're not unfruitful. Don't be an educator. Don't be associated with education and your work is in vain. It's unfruitful. And again, I'm not saying that it's all about sharing the gospel. We are to let our good works shine. And we hope that God will use that to bring people to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. But there are some pressing needs Today on our parking lot, there was a man who slept on our parking lot. What's the pressing need? Share the gospel with him? Maybe the pressing need is to give him some food. Maybe the pressing need is to say, hey, get him off the parking lot. Tell him there's a park over there. That's not meeting pressing needs. Most of you are familiar with Tyler Perry's movie, Good Deeds. And that movie's all about uh, Tyler Perry uh, playing a character where he's in ch- uh, CEO and he forms a relationship with a young lady or a lady who works for him as a janitor. One of those feel-good stories Tyler Perry's on the verge of getting engaged to this uppity woman, et cetera, and uh, falls in love with this woman who's simply a janitor. I don't know why they call it good deeds. The only reason I can figure it out is because the main character is Wesley Deeds. I hope when it comes to your life, people are not wondering why do they refer to you as a good deeds Christian. They don't see any association between you and good deeds. I hope that will not be the case. It is clear from the book of Titus that we are to be engaged in good deeds. Deeds don't save us. And I hope no one leaves here today thinking that somehow your deeds will save you. Only salvation comes through faith in Christ alone. Good deeds are to be displayed. They're to be shown. And some of you educators can be an example to other educators of being an example of good deeds. Good deeds are why Christ gave himself. Let that sink in. Jesus gave himself to purchase a people who might be zealots for good deeds. Good deeds means you have to be ready and prepared. Got to be living the way God wants you to live so that he can use you in your situation. Good deeds are to be a priority. We need to be thinking and contemplating 
How can I be engaged in good deeds? And then good deeds have to be learned, meaning that we receive teaching about them, but the proof that we've learned it is when we live it. So to our educators, to those who are associated with education, may you be a good deeds Christian. And in reality, to everyone who is a Christian, whether you're employed or unemployed, whether you're retired or not retired, be a good deeds Christian that is spoken of in this small book that we call Titus. Let's pray together.